Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to another episode of the Blue Jays Bites podcast, sponsored by Lawler's, Lawler's Custom Sportswear. My name is Brian Dot from WhiteAndBlueReview.com. I'm going to be joined for a special Big East Tournament edition of the Blue Jays Bites podcast by Matt DeMoranis. Matt has been at Madison Square Garden for the last probably what seems like, what, 48 hours, Matt, uh, covering what's turned out to be a pretty decent tournament for the Jays so far. Creighton going into semifinal action tonight, a couple hours from now, as uh, they ups, uh, they didn't upset, but they beat Providence in the quarterfinals last night at MSG, the last game of the night. Beat them by 12, 70-58. Matt, great to have you on the show. Great to have you in the city. We're recording this from New York. It's just a wonderful time to be a Jays fan and to be alive. So, first of all, you made it. <laughs> from milwaukee to new york kudos to you right. you are alive i've got proof you sent me in an interview with john niatawa from the omaha world herald we're going to play that here later in the podcast but welcome to the city you enjoying yourself you enjoying the games how's it going so far for you our fearless wbr contributor that's nice of you um yeah it's always going well when the jays move on in advance um my rule of thumb kind of for covering tournaments is if you can get the first day in, everything else is gravy. It's like trip well worth it sort of deal. So sure. it's much better to have a situation where, where you're not worried about like trying to find a flight or trying to find what time everybody's like scrambling to leave and then dealing with the whole, you know, Creighton just like went one and done type of deal. So yeah, it feels like trip well worth it. And I know it is for you because as I was entering the elevator, funny story for everybody, uh, as I was entering the elevator last night to go down to the press conference, I was hounded by some insane Jays fan who ran up to the elevator doors as they were closing and yelled, how about those Jays? And that was your own host of Blue Jays Bites podcast, Brian Ott, who was obviously pretty excited after surviving a Providence section of fans to get the last laugh when the clock hit zero, yeah? It was... Uh... It was one of the more intense atmospheres, I guess, just individually I've been a part of in a while. Um, I haven't been to New York for the tournament since 2014. Um, obviously been to some really great home games and uh, some other good atmospheres that the Jays have been a part of. But, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like Providence South in our section, and their fans are um, a lot of things. They were they're, uh, they were very adamant about uh, Ed Cooley's chances last night, and you know for every free throw that the Jays missed, kind of that notched my um, my worry up just you know a degree, and they mm-hmm. missed a lot. Uh, obviously, the New York Post <laughs> had a great headline today: "Brick by Brick, the Blue Jays uh, put together a quarterfinal win." Or something to that effect. So obviously both teams struggled shooting the ball. A lot of that was, you know, just third time through for these teams. Coach Cooley and then our own Coach Mack, they know what those teams, they know what each other wants to do, right? So mm-hmm. it was a grind. Um, I know John Niatawa in the World Herald, you, you spoke with him. We're going to play the interview later. But one of his blog um, entries today on Omaha.com had to do with just the grind-out effect that the Jays mm-hmm. displayed last night, what they'll probably have to do tonight against Xavier. It's just that time of year, right, where guys have familiarity. Uh, they know what the other team's going to run, and a lot of it comes down to the hustle plays, the defensive plays. And for me, frankly, that's why I was so fired up at the end of last night because I felt like 
on both ends of the floor, our guards um, got things done. Uh, Kyrie, obviously, you knew, like, that vengeance tour is a real thing, and he proved that last night. But, you know, Davion had a great second half after playing poorly in the first. And Marcus didn't – Marcus Fuster didn't play so well in that second half. But, um, you know, each, guys picked each other up. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was just really impressed to see this team, when things weren't going the way they needed them to go offensively, pick it up in other places. And whether that's Justin getting a couple boards, whether that's Davion coming through with a couple steals – um, you know, Cole getting some rebounds. You know, everybody seemed to contribute a little bit, and um, those are the type of games that you need to win early on in a conference tournament and get some guys some minutes. So, um, I don't know. I'm I'm interested in your perspective. I think we were sitting in nearly the same area in in okay. your, in your satellite uh, in your satellite media spot. But I mean, what were your what were your big takeaways last night being in the arena and and especially watching what to you was the fourth game that you saw that day um you know what it what it look what the days look look like to you yeah it's funny you uh um what you talked about there as far as grinding in 50 50 balls can i talk here a little bit um it's hard John the and second I day in new york city to talk man i've had a couple of those moments already today so it's uh it's a I'm little delirious. marble in the mouth yeah it's fun um but yeah john and i fleshed that out a little bit because really you know at this point of the season, and I know it's cliche and everything, but it's really there. It's like a, there's a truth to it because it doesn't matter what uh, Creighton. What Creighton did last night doesn't matter anymore. You know why? Because they're still here. So it doesn't like you don't have to assess that performance. You don't have to break it down because it doesn't matter today. They have another opponent in front of them, and that's what it's about in March. You just have to move on, do whatever it takes to get it done. It doesn't matter if. You shot below your average in this category, or you missed a ton of free throws to turn the ball over, or the turnover ratio wasn't good. Just do what it takes to get a W at the end of the night. At the end of the day, move on, celebrate it, and focus on the next game because that's kind of what it's all about in March. I mean, there's no, there's not style, there's no more style points anymore at this point in the season. Um, and I think it was really interesting to see Creighton win a game like that, and because they didn't, they didn't play well, and. Yeah. Usually that's a recipe for, well, as soon as the next, as soon as the opponent makes a run, this game is over type of deal because Creighton wasn't going to dig themselves out of a double-digit deficit last night with the way they were shooting and executing offensively. So it was one of those games where I felt going into the second half, you know, I mean, I'm an overly optimistic guy, and I get that, and maybe that comes off as, like, you know, being unwilling to criticize, and I understand where that comes from, but... I'm sitting there at halftime, and I'm like, okay, Creighton is down three. Why are they down three? And I'm like, okay, well, they shot one for 11 from three. They turned the ball over nine times. They didn't hit any free throws. Davion got in foul trouble. Um, you know, Marcus struggled. And I'm like, wait a minute. So then it like put in my head. I was like, hold on a second. Marcus struggled. Davion got in foul trouble. Creighton went one for 11 from three. Turned the ball over nine times. And they're only down three? Right. Like that was that was what played and that was what jumped into my mind when I was assessing why they were down and I didn't realize and I just realized wait a minute why is this a one possession game this should be this should be Providence up by fifteen right now and Creighton needing to shoot the lights out to come back into it and then I was like okay well if Creighton's in this game despite Providence's game for twenty minutes and not playing well at all what happens if they put a run or two together and get you know just show some spurts of Creighton basketball. You know, what does the game turn into there? And it turned into a pretty comfortable 
you know, second half from the perspective of Creighton was pretty much in control of it the whole time once they hit that first run. I mean, Creighton was playing from the lead and didn't really get rattled when Providence would cut it to six or four or five or seven. Like, they kind of just, all right, time to execute a possession or two here and stretch the lead back out, and that's what they did. You know, and, and Providence was the team that got rattled in that situation. There, You know, so overall I thought it was just – I thought it was going to come down to the second half was going to be who could – settle in and make a run and take control of the game and i'm glad to see that it was creighton because i feel like they were the better team of the two and i like to just see when the better team wins um but also from a confidence perspective for them going forward because they didn't win playing how they normally win they won playing making tough plays winning 50 50 balls i mean that possession early in the second half i can't remember if it was a second or third possession it was early though like creighton doesn't have the lead at that point right there was a loose ball, like maybe from the top of the key on, that made its way all the way to half court. And I swear, if not all Creighton players, <laughs> yeah. four of them, oh, yeah. four of them got at least a hand on it and were on the floor. And the reaction from the bench, all the way down to like, all the way down to like Jordan Scurry up to the guys at D Rock, all the coaching staff and the managers, like everybody was up on the up on their. You know, two feet jumping up after that play. Mac was like at half court high fiving his own players while like in live action. Like that thing fired up the team so much, and it's a play that doesn't even register as a stat, but it just showed like that they've kind of turned a corner, flipped a switch, or they understand the shortcomings in that area that they've had the last couple of weeks, and that mm-hmm. that is probably going to affect some winning if they can start, you know, making some improvements in the 50-50 balls and showing some fight when the ball's on the floor and not necessarily thinking so much about, well, should I dive or not? They just got after, they just got after it yesterday. They were just they were flying all over the court. They looked like the, you know, the Jays teams that Altman used to take the NCAA tournament and things like that. I mean, that's you got to sell out at this time of the year. What else are you playing for? Because um, they weren't going to win a pretty game last night. It wasn't That's not the type of game that it was. So it was no, good to I, see them fight well, and win an ugly way. Yeah, and I think that led to some of – kind of a, 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 a rediscovered energy in the open court once they got things going. I'm thinking about when Davion's coming down the court, making a nice touch pass on the assist to Zach Hansen to put the Jays up 10, force an Ed Cooley timeout, 1140 mark of the, first, uh, the second half. You know, um, Justin getting out, running the floor, and, and, and taking home that dunk coming right down the lane i felt like they were on the ground early in the second half for for a couple loose balls and then once they were forcing the issue defensively they were able to get out and run a little bit and break away from some of that grind it slowed it down pace that providence likes to run I, I know on twitter during the game you made a comment in the first half that you know this was exactly what providence wanted when you look at pace when you look at uh you know possessions and and how mm-hmm. they tend to to work defensively it was it was headed their direction, and the Jays countered. I mean they they grind they grinded it out. I feel like that's going to be the word of the day. We always save that for baseball season with Ed Service and his grinders. Um, but that might be the that might be the theme this weekend because you know tonight against Xavier it's going to be a lot of the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so I just I think it's amazing how defensively. Now, granted, both teams missed open jump shots. Sure. Um, but, you know, for the Jays to take a three-point deficit at the break and hold Providence to just four points in the first nine-plus minutes or eight-plus mm-hmm. minutes of the second half and turn that into a ten-point lead, 
I mean, that's the run that I think everybody maybe nervously thought Providence might go on to extend things a bit. But the mm-hmm. Jays flipped the script there, and it all started, I think, defensively and, and stepping into some passing lanes and getting the loose balls. And uh, it was good to see for this team because, you know, Max postgame uh, comments to the team that were recorded by Fox Sports and, and posted to the web late last night, early this morning, whatever we want to call it. All the hours seem to run together in this city. But, um, oh, yeah. You know, he re- he specifically called Davion out. He had a gr- he said he grew up a lot tonight, especially in that second half. And I I feel like him out there running things when there were loose balls or when there was transition and things broke down. He handled himself really well. He went to the free throw line, stepped up, and hit his free throw shots, which was one of the few guys on the team. Obviously, everybody on this podcast knows that we heart Kyrie Thomas, and last night was just another example of there's mm. no there's not ten better players than better. There are not ten. There are better five players better players in this in league the Big East right now. So no. you know, and 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 I'm going to expect the same out of him tonight, if not more. Um, it's mm-hmm. just, do the Jays have a Marcus Foster, a Justin Patton, a Davion Mintz, a Cole Huff that can step in and come aside? They literally, they literally have all those guys. Actually, they do. But I mean, do they have the good <laughs> versions yeah. of those guys? Right? Because that's what I tweeted halfway through the first half. Kyrie can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. You know, he tried at Villanova. It didn't work. He tried at Marquette. It didn't work. So they got to get some guys to step up here. And Marcus, yeah, he'd be the first to tell you, I'm sure, that last night was not a great entry for him in his scrapbook of his junior season. And I know that he looked like he really wanted to put on a nice display at MSG. And hopefully those are out a little bit, right? Providence had played there before this year. That was Marcus's first game at MSG, at least that I can remember, unless he went there with K-State. Nope. I don't remember. Yeah, so. yeah that's a good point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, – I think we've talked enough about last night, and I think, you know, I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts about the Xavier game before we tee up this interview with John Niatawa because, or Niatawa because it's a thirty-minute doozy. I think that'll it's really entertaining. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the Xavier thing is interesting from the perspective that I think, and I'm, we talked about this uh, with John here coming up. I think the second day of a tournament is your best day for some, I mean, I just think all the jitters are gone. I think you're in a good rhythm. You're not, you know, I mean, there's some fatigue because you're playing the second day in a row and that never happens during the season. But I feel like on the, you know, the back to back, the second game is your best game because you're just in a really good flow. You have enough energy left to pull off 40 minutes. And I think all the jitters are gone. So I feel like you're playing loose and playing more, you're playing more typical of how you would play when you're in a good rhythm. And then for Xavier's perspective, they're on day three. Like last night was their day two. Right. So it's been interesting for me to watch them because I didn't. I thought they struggled against DePaul and pulled it out because DePaul is DePaul. And then I felt like, I mean, DePaul's not good. And yeah. Xavier struggled with them, you know. I felt like, I still, I felt like when I was watching that game, I was like, I still don't see an NCAA tournament team, you know. Sure. And last night they got a win over Butler, who's a solid NCAA tournament team. And they won playing Butler's way, which was really surprising. Um, and I'm just wondering what they have left in the tank because they've kind of had to grind through two nights in a row here. Right. And I know the Butler, I know the DePaul game was double digits, but it wasn't an easy double digit win for them. They had to grind through it. So I'm not. I'm just curious to see what they have left in the tank from an energy perspective. And another thing is Creighton's, you know, kind of extended their bench here at the end of the season to where. You know, Justin Patton and Zach Hansen and Toby Hegner and Martin Crample have all kind of rotated in, either, you know, with 
playing traditional big five lineups or playing a small ball five lineup. I mean, the depth that Creighton kind of can throw at Xavier tonight is something that Xavier can't counter from a quality standpoint. They can try to counter it with bodies, but I think they're going to get tired. So I think it benefits Creighton to, you know, try to make this a run and gun type of game and get out in transition as much as possible, even if you have to force the issue at times. And I know that's, that's probably going to be regrettable if they start missing shots and taking, you know, like first side shots that aren't good looks and don't move the ball. But I mean, I just feel like a high position game at the end of the night is going to get them into the next day in the championship game, which is really what your only goal is. Like I said, you're not playing for style points anymore. I just don't know if Xavier can keep up for 40 minutes if the pace is really high. And I think they're going to want to slow it down and grind it out. Um, So I'm not really sure. I think they can, I think, I think it's a coin toss if it's a grind out type of game and it's a low, maybe 65 possession game. Mm -hmm. But I think if the game is in the, like the 70 to 75 possessions, I think Creighton runs away with it at the end. Well, I'll take that. But I mean, don't you think? Survive Yeah, but I mean, don't you don't you think that the game needs to be in like the mid seventies possession wise for Creighton to feel comfortable, and that if it's in the mid sixties, that Xavier's probably in a game they want. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's how it turned out last night. Frankly, I mean, yeah. when I when I showed up at halftime at MSG and Xavier and Butler were locked, God, it felt like it was probably in the twenties, right? At that mm-hmm. point, but I mean, it was just it was evident that. That was going to be Xavier's best path to a win in that game, and I think that's the same holds true tonight. So, um, you know, if the Jays can get get out and going, I know that you don't want to. I don't. I know you don't want to commit a lot of turnovers. I understand that, but you also want to mm-hmm. dictate the pace of play so that your depth becomes an advantage, so that you are pushing things the way you want them to go, and not sitting back reacting to how the other team is. Uh, forcing the issue with you so mm-hmm. you know all that's to say if we hit more than four or five threes tonight i like our chances hopefully our guys guard trayvon and uh guard jp and and well you know right. one of the guys is gonna guard trayvon so don't worry about that well yeah i know but um you know the other guys it's the same thing we talked about earlier this week in the last yeah. podcast right you got to have other guys step up and it's not just on the offensive end right you gotta have mm-hmm. another guy you gotta have marcus play good defense you gotta have davion the foul trouble stuff was hilariously bad last night for mm-hmm. the entire backcourt. So, you know, our JP needs to do a good job down in the low post and, and maybe get more of those baseline jump shots that are just so lethal from him. Uh, some more looks there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think you got to force the issue. you gotta, you got to run your pace. And I think that's why having Davion play the way he did in the second half last night has me feeling really well, uh, yeah. feeling really good because – that I thought was a big coming out for for him. He didn't have to score 17 points like he did against Marquette. He just he controlled the pace. When he got fouled after pushing the issue, he made his free throws for the most part, and he found the open guy on a couple nice looks to the hoop, and that's his job. Um, so I thought he did a good job, and I thought that was a big step forward for him. So um, a pace perspective. If there's other teams remaining in this tournament, hello. Yeah, I'm here. Of the teams remaining in this tournament, I think this is the game where Creighton can exploit the pace more to their suiting. Um, you know, I feel like it's not very deep, but they're very efficient. So, I mean, you could run pace all day, and they'll still score yeah. on enough of their possessions to make it a high-scoring game. Um, so, I think the Xavier game, I think with them being on day three, it suits Creighton to kind of at least in the early going try to push the pace and see how the game flows from there. And if you guys get into a good rhythm, then keep it up. Agreed. 
Um, okay, uh, we want to be really sensitive to our, our fans' time because there's only a couple mm-hmm. hours here between when we're going to get this posted and when the game starts tonight. So the good news is gives people uh, – this interview is going to give people about an hour worth of quality content to listen to before the game starts tonight. And um, really uh, 35 minutes of really good content because we've got two of the best uh, beat reporters following Creighton Athletics. Um on this podcast tonight, obviously our own Matt DeMarinas is is with us as always. But you had a chance to connect in the um, in the hallowed halls of MSG with uh, John Niwatawa from the Omaha World Herald. John's in his first year on the beat for the Blue Jays full time. Um, I don't know if you want to set this interview up a little bit, Matt, and then we'll just bounce right to it. Um, sure. But yeah, you know, I just I've only listened to a couple minutes of it so far, but you guys have a really good rapport. Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's funny because we've kind of been picking each other's brains all season. I mean, we have, you know, long conversations longer than, than this interview is going to play during practice. And, I mean, after after women's games, we'll, you know, sit and with the lights off at DJ Sokol Arena and just kind of, like, go over the sport itself and just pick each other's brains on basketball and things like that. And it gets pretty in-depth. Um, and I think this conversation goes along the same path. I mean, John's a... John's a heck of a reporter. He's a heck of a writer, and he knows the game he covers too. He's pretty knowledgeable. So, sure. um, yeah, it's a pretty. I think fans are going to get a lot of value out of this conversation. You know, we get into the X's and O's of you know last night's game, tonight's game, um, and kind of just what Creighton needs to do from an identity standpoint to keep surviving in March. All right. Without further ado, let's go ahead and start that interview. This is Matt DeMarinas, joined by John Niwatow from the Omaha World Herald on the Blue Jays Bites podcast, sponsored by Lawler's Custom Sportswear. Another episode of the uh, Blue Jay Bites podcast from Madison Square Garden. I'm sitting here with a soon-to-be world-famous. He's not world-famous yet. He's still in his first <laughs> year. We'll call him a rookie for now, but yeah, he's definitely. a seasoned veteran still. Uh, John Niwatow of the Omaha World Herald. This has got to be at the very bottom of your guest list, right? Like, you usually get – you've had Flan. Yeah. I know. I saw you interviewing uh, Caleb Joseph. That was a good conversation. You've had you had Patton and Kyrie, JP and Kyrie. That's right. That, that together was like a top duo for sure. Right. Um, now you're slumming it with, with, with John Niatawa. Yeah, we're going to have to see. We're going to have to check the ratings <laughs> real close on this one to see how many clicks we get yeah. from, like, like, having other dude, media members I'll, I'll, on. I'll have my mom. Like checking in and listen to it as like six. Or yeah, seven that's the, that's the key is telling family about it. Yeah. Family and friends will listen to it like right. multiple times and get Dude, you. How sweet is this though? We're sitting in Madison Square Garden, and uh, I mean it's basically empty. There's like people throwing up bricks on, <laughs> yeah. the, on the court. We got to find our way down there. Just to, we have to get a couple shots. jumpers in. Yeah, but this is great. This is the best part about the job mm-hmm. is like days like this where. Um, your main primary responsibility is just to cover a game, a fantastic display of competitiveness in a one-and-done setting. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't get any better than this, so I'm so pumped for tonight's game and, uh, you know, anything else that goes on in the future here or, or in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> That's actually. right. You know what I like about this arena especially is that, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but, like, you come in here and it's like a regular arena, but it's like it has a modern feel to it in – that you know, you, when you're up close, the seats look normal. The tables, the TVs, like the scoreboard and everything, all looks new. But like when you kind of like zoom out and look at it as a whole, it feels like it's like frozen in like a time that is before you. So it has like an old soul to it. Look at the ceiling. The yeah, ceiling's got this. It's like kind of lined with, I don't know, like like bars, rails. Yeah. 
that like just center in. I don't know. It, this, yeah, it's it's got uh, kind of like the old school bowl type mm-hmm. feel to it. Mm-hmm. All the new age arenas just feel um, they just like they widen out. Yeah, and they, they kill the sound. Right, you, you're not as on top of <clears throat> the action as you are in in a place like this. So, yeah. And the suites are nice. Like that. Look at the lighting. They have different light. The, the ribbon boards look good. The scoreboard's huge. And um, yeah, really, I don't. I'm not like as nostalgic, and I don't get like too excited about okay. just because I walk into a place that's old. But you're a young guy too. Like yeah, there isn't much. I'm Thirty. Yeah, there's not right. much nostalgia to. Uh, now, if they had the organ going, mm-hmm. that might like okay. generate some feelings for me because I do. I did grow up. I grew up in Indiana watching Pacers Knicks all the time. Mm-hmm. So. I, I have some image or like uh, images in my mind of that, but no, I'm, I'm usually like I'm I'm more about the environment and mm-hmm. and the ex- the atmosphere and the experience. And last night was pretty good. So because you, like, had, you had a you had a like Providence fans are pretty hostile. Yeah, and Creighton fans obviously bring energy, but it's, I don't know if it's necessarily hostile energy. But like when the two combine, it creates a pretty solid mm-hmm. atmosphere. Right. I mean, what did you th- did you get the feeling that that was a pretty I mean, a competitive environment. You know, it was obviously competitive on the court, but, I mean, the fan base is going back and forth and like I felt, that. I felt like Creighton's fans were pretty quiet for the first half of right. the game. There yeah. wasn't a lot to cheer for anyway because mm-hmm. Creighton like, turned the ball over nine times and shot 35% or whatever it was. So, <laughs> right. And never got into a rhythm, so it was hard to find uh, a reason to cheer. But in, once Creighton started going and Creighton's fans started getting hyped, then Providence fans got went right after him. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, there was a stretch there in the middle of the second half where it was kind of going back and forth a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, Creighton pushed, went up by 10, and Providence stormed right back and got within four where the fan bases were going back at it. So That's why I'm curious about tonight from a just an energy, from a, from an environment perspective. I don't expect, I don't know, I think Villanova might roll over Seton Hall. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I feel like Creighton and Xavier, if it gets into an up-and-down type of game, which, you know, Xavier might not want to do on day three of their, you know, playing legs. But if they do get going up and down and, you know, find like a five minute stretch where the team's just bang shots in left and right. Right. I think this place is gonna blow up like I hope so. Cause it, it don't you don't at an event like this, especially with two now Creighton's bringing fans. We mm-hmm. gotta give them credit there, but still this arena is like what is it, sixteen, seventeen? Yeah, uh, I think it's close to twenty. Is it twenty? Yeah. Okay. And we're talking about three thousand Creighton fans. Right. You know, so it's it's the atmosphere is gonna be reliant on a lot of the local fans, college basketball fans to yeah. get hype and get into the game. Yeah. And like you said, if it's back and forth and teams are knocking down shots then it'll be it'll be fun. I think the Seton Hall Villanova game has the potential to be uh, one of the best of the week in terms really? of atmosphere. Well, Seton Hall's gonna bring fans. That's that, not that Seton far Hall, away. Yeah, Seton Hall it's, definitely. It's Seton Hall and St. John's bring some fans. That's yeah. for sure. Like you can, yeah. you can sense that. But I mean, uh, uh, were you in the one? Were you in the arena in, uh, on Thursday? Did Nova travel all right? Or yeah, Nova's going to travel yeah. well too. Yeah, I think this is going to be a good uh, the first game. So hopefully those fans like stick around. Yeah, if it's not them. a blowout, I think right. get, we'll get a good energy yeah. out of that one. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about Creighton Providence for a little bit because you know it's, it's funny. Just to, if we can just start at halftime, you know, I'm sitting there. And I'm pretty optimistic anyway. I, you know, I get, you know, called a homer and always trying to look at the positive and, like, what Creighton is doing well type of deal. But, like, I was sitting there at halftime, and I'm like, <clears throat> all right, I just watched 20 minutes of Providence-type basketball where they were totally in control of the tempo, their pace of play, physicality, uh, Creighton turned the ball over, didn't hit shots, and I'm like, they're down three. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, they went one for 11 from three, turned the ball over nine times, and they're down three in a game that was at Providence's pace. That seems like 
a run or two or a run and a half in Creighton's favor, maybe puts them in full control right. of the game and has Providence playing out of character in the second half. Did you? What was your read on at halftime what that game kind of looked like to you going forward? Well, I thought Creighton's offense was going to pick up. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that has been different without Maurice Watson, unless Creighton's been playing to Paul, it feels like the Jays haven't had many – 10-0, 12-2, 14-4 runs. Right. So just, like, Those knockout punches they had early Ma- in the season. Yeah, Mac yeah. used the word spurtability, which isn't a word, but it's a word of basketball uh, yeah. terms. Yeah, sure. Like basketball jargon. Yeah, that that that, that level of spurtability has gone, gone down for Creighton since Watson's injury. So I wasn't as, like, I wouldn't say I was as optimistic for the Jays in terms of being able to just, like, take control in an instant. Mm-hmm. But I thought gradually over time they could. Um, but I also worried, you know, just from Creighton's perspective, like at some point Providence is going to stop turning the ball over, right, and start hitting you, threes. You thought, and, but right? that never happened. <laughs> yeah. That didn't happen. Well, the turns um, increased somehow. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and and partly because of Creighton's defense, and partly mm-hmm. because Providence just was in a funk. But it, it's it's so interesting because you know this is my first year on the beat, mm-hmm. and I don't come, I haven't come, to, like I don't come to a, a game like this when it's you know down. Last night was down to the wire. Creighton, you know, um, was in position to, to win the game, but you never knew what, what could happen at ten minutes ago or what, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't like. I don't bring in the baggage of the failures of the past. And I think I, I, okay. when I interact with fans, um, you know, I hear a lot about Creighton's inability to win close games or yeah. uh, you know, not not being able to match the toughness of a Big East team or you know, and and for me, I just. I react to what I've seen this year and this year alone. Mm-hmm. So my thought was, okay, February, there were there were issues down the stretch in those games, but I don't make any long-term correlations to what Creighton did in 2014 or didn't do in 2015 or 16 or whatever. So um, I'm learning on the fly right now in terms of uh, and the, I think the various that- trends and maybe characteristics, traits that are um, applicable to this program. And you know what's funny is, like, the the – Providence game last night, and like say the Butler game in Indy, and the Wisconsin game at home. I mean, those are not going to look like close wins because they were double digits or close to. I think Butler was nine. That's not going to look like a close win, but there was like a competitive game that Creighton pulled away in right. to win down the stretch. You know what I mean? So I mean, when you look at like the metrics, if you try to say, well, tied last five minutes, or however you want to like break it down, you know, with your with an arbitrary statistic to see if. Creighton is good in close games or not. I mean, I feel like that was a close game last night, and Creighton controlled it down the stretch. So there were a number of times when the, it was like seven-point lead, yep. six-point lead, maybe mm-hmm. a five. No, I don't think Providence ever got within five after, like, the They final. got within four after that initial ten-point yeah. run. Yeah. And but so the, the question is, I mean, if you're up six with the ball, obviously you want to score. You know, ten minutes left in the game, you want you want to keep the pressure on, especially mm-hmm. when, when in, a, in a situation where you know Providence is going to make a push. Yep. Do you operate any differently if the game's tied? Yeah, no. Do you operate if you're down two in that moment? I mean, maybe there's a little bit more pressure on you, but I think that you, in the moment, you feel um, as a player, if, if like if, if if I'm Davion Mintz on the court, got a six point lead with ten minutes left, that possession to me is just as important as if I, I was if the game was tied and and, and there was there were ten minutes left, you know. So I I agree with you that. Um, the final score can be a little bit deceiving, yeah. and, and maybe, yeah, maybe Creighton deserves a little bit more credit for what it's done um, 
between I don't know the eight minute mark and the four minute mark of games. Right. But I even like I pointed <laughs> to there, and and I think you could too. Like you can point to in those games that they lost at the end, and I know it's like frustrating to watch. Creighton give up a ton of offensive rebounds to Seton Hall in the final four minutes. It was it was frustrating to watch Creighton just blow chance after chance against Xavier offensively, mm-hmm. missing a layup, uh, missing like kind of having a, a lack of flow and movement offensively, um, forcing jumpers in, in the end of that game, and, and Xavier just not being able to get any stops, and, and also kind of looked like everything just bogged down and. and it was kind of just like a one-on-one matchup for whoever could right. had enough guts to take the shot type moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, so it's easy to focus on that, but I kind of look back at what happened between the 10-minute mark and the 4-minute mark and why didn't Creighton put the team away when it had the opportunity to do that. Right. It, it did enough against Providence, although um, maybe you could argue that Providence probably squandered some chances to get so, back oh in it goodness, with the free throws. Free throws um, but, I mean, I've never seen a team turn the ball over in a like a small sample size of possessions, as much as probably nine turnovers nine, in the first oh my, fifteen possessions, six, six turnovers in the first nine possessions, right, nine in the is. first fifteen. Yeah. I mean, that is insane. <laughs> Just yeah, given right. possessions away. Nuts. I mean, they had no chance to be competitive in that first what, maybe f- seven to ten minutes right. because they just kept giving the ball away. Yeah. And even when Creighton, Creighton's first turnover of the second half was Zach Hansen got an offensive rebound right here along the baseline and threw it away to, uh, oh, yeah. who's number one, White? Is that what his last name is? I can't, Young? Yeah, something. Uh, yeah. I can't remember what his last name is. Number four for Providence. He throws it away to that guy on the baseline, and that dude immediately double dribbles <laughs> no, to give like him 90, right back. 90 feet from the basket. He's 94 feet away. He yeah. double dribbles, and it's like, the ref's like, okay, that's Creighton ball right under right their hoop. Like, so yeah. Creighton's only turnover in that stretch where Providence was just tossing the ball away was given right back to them yeah. via double dribble right. like immediately. So it was just a comedy I, of errors. Here, here's my match. question. What what do you take away from that game? I mean, obviously, the, the, the storyline will probably be a little bit different. Maybe this conversation is moot by mm-hmm. the end of tonight. But, like, what do you are, – are there any definitive – Statements that Creighton made okay. against Providence. Do you think that that maybe can serve this team well going forward, here's, or is that just a game? Here's what I think it is, and it might be a little overstated, especially around this time of the year. But you asked Mac yesterday in the post game press conference this question, and I felt like that's pretty much the overlying theme of like what it takes to win in March. And it's like just when you just forget what you've done all year, like who is, forget your identity, like creating the three-point shooting team, they're a finesse team, or Providence is tough, or like things like that, like forget all that, and just like you have 40 minutes to figure out how to win a game and move on to the next day and be still playing, still mattering. You know, it's March. All that matters, it doesn't matter how you do it statistically, it matters that you get a W, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like, and you asked him in the post game. You just did what you found a way. So Creighton shot four of 20 from three. They right. missed a ton of free throws. Seven assists. Yeah, seven assists. Like they turned the ball over a ton in the first half. They could have been blown out by – if they played Villanova yesterday, that would have been a massacre. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? But it's like they found a way to get it done. They made the plays that needed to be made when they needed to be made. And they, I feel like that's what it takes, period. Like in this month of the season when you're just trying to survive in advance, just find a way. You yeah. know what I mean? And I feel like that's what – I'll take away from last night because that's pretty much what you need to do around this time of the season anyway. And if they can do that again tonight against Xavier because it could potentially be another sort of grinded out, maybe a little bit ugly type game mm-hmm. where you have to just find a way to win, I think that's what I want to see. I want to see I want to see it back-to-back. You know, um, it was that was a, a an impressive showing by Creighton to 
to win in that manner because it hasn't done that since Maurice Watson went out. It mm-hmm. hasn't won a game like that, um, especially against a quality team. Uh, maybe I guess you could argue the Xavier game, that the game that he went out, they kind of had to really tough it out. Yeah. I mean, that was – And Butler was – I mean, the, but the Butler win was good, but it was – it was, it was Butler was struggling kind of at that point. Yeah, but it, it was less about a fighting through adversity in that one, I feel like. I thought, I thought Creighton kind of controlled – Sure. Especially in the second half. Yeah, that makes the sense. Pace yeah. And, and, and was hitting shots. It, I mean, it's, I think it's a lot easier when you go on the road or you're in a hostile environment and you're making shots mm-hmm. to kind of keep the energy up and the enthusiasm and to make the hustle plays. But in a game like Thursday – you know, things weren't going right for Creighton, but yet it was winning the 50-50 balls and, and just being the tougher team. And so if Creighton can do that again, yeah. then I'm like, okay, now that's a blueprint that you can follow into March. Uh, but you got to be consistent with it because, you know, Creighton's not a team that's going to just walk out on the floor, shoot, guaranteed, that's guaranteed to shoot like 55% sure. and yeah. getting 80, 85 points in, in I, a game. Because I feel like at that point, I feel like when you can win a game like this too, it also helps you lean back on it. And this is something that the women's team has done a lot this season where the women's team has had two games this year where they've set school records in three-point makes in a, in a single game. And they've had games where they just can't hit the broadside of a barn from the beyond the arc at all and they have to find a way to win with defense and toughness and making plays that are like one-on-one individual, just you got to make a play one-on-one and beat your opponent. Yeah. I mean, so they pretty much formed an identity doing that. I feel like for this Creighton team to have success this month and going forward in the postseason, you need to be able to rely. You need to, be able to like lean back on situations where you didn't shoot the ball, or you didn't play well offensively, or things weren't working out for you, and f- remember how you won those games. And I feel like the win last night over Providence is going to give them something to rely, lean back on, and say, okay, well, our shots aren't hitting again in whoever we're playing here. How do we win this type of game? And we can remember what we did, like say against Providence, or you know how you want to. I'm not sure they haven't won many games like that before, but I mean. They, at least it's an experience that they can now lean back on. You're but never so, out of it. Yeah. I think that's the idea. And, and, yeah, you know that as a player. You're a competitor. Like, you're not going to quit. But um, it's a re- it's a, like an affirmation. Mm-hmm. You reaffirm to yourself, like, look, it doesn't matter how bad or, or, or well we play. Like, the, the game, we're playing for 40 minutes and anything can happen. I think that you made that bring up the women's team. Like, they just had experience after experience after experience that helped confirm that reality that you know you're down four with 30 seconds left mm-hmm. there's still more possessions to be played just yes. play your hardest and fight and see what happens exactly. and i think that's it, you can't you can't go in with a, a mindset of like oh i gotta do everything extremely perfect and this is like a, a once in a in in a lifetime uh sort of comeback opportunity like there's a five percent chance that we can do it no you just focus in on this specific moment this yeah. specific possession and uh, and see where you can go from there. So uh, I think Creighton did a pretty good job of just trying to be detail-oriented and uh, just narrowed the focus on a possession-by-possession basis against Providence, and got to do that. Keep 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 it up. <laughs> yeah, you got to grind your way through it. Yep. Um, last topic about Creighton-Providence, and we'll get you out of here on some predictions for tonight. Um, 50-50 balls. You know, we've been through, what, now the last two weeks of – Media sessions and games and post games. I mean, starting with Villanova and moving on to Marquette, where that was a big emphasis. And like, you know, Mac was trying to put his finger on why I can bring, why he could bring Ronnie and Martine off the bench for three minutes or four minutes, and they would be flying all over the court. And then the guys that he's got in his main rotation aren't 
necessarily making those plays right. in a consistent basis. And then you watch where they make that a priority, and then in the second half, I don't remember it was like maybe the second possession of the first. It was one of the early possessions of the second half. I don't think Creighton had the lead yet. I think all five guys, like I know, it was, was just a scrum. I want to see all that. Five guys, I want to like, see that again. That I play know. Again. It, it was it was pretty. They got all the way to half court. No one had controlled it yet, but right. I think every Creighton player had like made a contribution to like get that ball moving down the floor what is, before they picked it up and laid it in. Like. So it's funny. Um, what's the pres- I wonder what the percentage is. Is a loose ball on the floor. Mm-hmm. First person to to dive. What are the odds that that team ends up with the ends ball? Up with the ball? Yeah, I gotta imagine it's like seventy-five to eighty percent. Yeah, you think first it, to the floor is first like, to the floor. Yeah, it's not a guarantee, <coughs> but um, it's 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 usually a good sign if you're diving. So, and I think I mean Creighton ended up with the ball and they ended up scoring on the play. I think yeah. Kyrie ended up with it. And he laid it in or got fouled or something. But I mean. That entire bench. I yeah, know it sets a tone, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. the, everybody was up. I mean, the coaches were freaking right. out. Like that's what they wanted to see. Like Mac was out of half court, like high fiving guys after that, and it was like a little two point possession where Providence made a mistake and Creighton it's, just like hounded it. Like how about pack of hyenas? It was crazy. It, Creighton for so long this year was such. It was it was so it, so much tied to um, it's or maybe its energy was like hinged. To make shots, yeah, make yeah. it in the offense and scoring. Yeah, like yeah. that was it's like that was who it, that was the team that Creighton was, just, mm-hmm. just scoring. And now it's got to find ways to be motivated and get hype and find energy and it, it find different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's not always going to be you're not always going to have five straight possessions with two threes, a dunk, and a layup. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you got five straight possessions with no no points, but you better yeah. still be fighting like heck on the other end of the quarter. You have to manufacture you, energy. Yeah, yeah, or else you're going to find yourself down, mm-hmm. and, and then you're going to be in a, in, in a hole. So if it just comes down to executing between, like, your side of the court and their side of the court, yeah, right. you can find your way just playing catch-up the whole time. Yeah, so I think if, if Creighton can continue to do that, and, we, and it's funny because, like, I remember talking to the players about this like a month ago. Mm-hmm. How do you find energy on defense? Like I remember Marcus Foster was like, "Yeah, man, when I was on scout team last year, that's all we had to live for was stops against the first team. Like <laughs> right. that's that's what we. If you go to you go to practice, you see a guy like Ronnie Harrell clapping it up. When, talking, they talk yeah, trash to each other. Like when, it's competitive, right? When and all that happened was like. Foster misses a wide open yeah. jumper, and then and that's what you celebrate. But yeah. you still get some energy because how else are you going to make your way through practice if right. you don't um, you don't have something to build off of? So that was a challenge to Creighton, and I think maybe I mean the hope is that the Jays are starting to figure that out that mm-hmm. they they have to um, find a way to to make sure that they're not you know that their success isn't tied to directly tied to whether or not they make a shot, right? Uh, let's just get down to some predictions tonight. We've got Villanova, Seton Hall in the first matchup in both of these games. I think we're blowouts in the regular season, right, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. and Because Villanova won by like 20. And then like 40. And 40, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Seton Hall's got quite some catching up to do to make a difference there. Um, but, I mean, I thought they played well against Marquette. I was going to say, if, if Delgado's going to drop like a triple-double, yeah. <laughs> one assist from away from a triple-double, yeah. then. Because uh, he's the yeah. difference for in that matchup, right? Because yeah, yeah. he's the one guy Villanova does not match up with at right. all. Yeah. They don't have that muscle. They don't have that size. I think it's going to be tough for Delgado to get the ball um, just on the block. Like I, Villanova, at least when they played Creighton, a really good job of denying passing lanes, entry passes to Justin Patton, and then they swarmed him, uh, especially when he put the ball on the ground. I think we'll probably see if, if Delgado happens to get the ball in the post, like Villanova's going to try to dig it out or, yeah. or just bring a true double. Um, 
Dylan Painter might be a key for them tonight because he was pretty good against St. John's just cleaning things up down yeah. there and making sure. He's gotten Saint, better. He yeah. really has gotten better. St. So. John's was one and done every time. Right. I, mean, they got, I mean, they got whipped pretty bad, but it was one and done. They didn't have a chance to, like, you know, take advantage of potentially having more athleticism in the paint yeah. and things like that. Honestly, for Seton Hall, I think it's going to come down to whether or not Delgado makes good plays. If yeah. he if he gets doubled or or if he and he forces it, like throws it away mm-hmm. or or isn't quick to react to the the defense converging on him and he can't find the open guy, um, I think Seton Hall is going to be in trouble. Unless Carrington wants to drop forty again, but he yeah, only drops forty. He, line 30 times, he only drops forty against yeah. Creighton, so <laughs> he's only the Creighton killer. Yeah. So yeah, he's not playing them tonight. Give me Nova though. I, I, I can't. Why, you got I Nova? can't pick against Nova. I don't think me? you can either. I, I and I don't think. I think it'll be closer than the first two regular season matchups, but I don't think it's going to be close. Yeah. You know what I mean? I still think it's like a 15-point game. But, I mean, I think Seton Hall will fight for a little bit. Um, And then, obviously, Creighton Xavier. Xavier's on day three of those legs. It's kind of funny because they won... They won the first game. I mean, both... They kind of had to grind their way through DePaul a little bit. It was weird to see Xavier grind. I'm like... And then yesterday, they won won the Butler way yesterday. It's like... I don't think they've played like Xavier... But maybe that's the way they have to play because they don't really, you know, they struggle trying to play their way before that. I so, know. I mean, I, yeah, they they tried to like push tempo a little bit and, and take first shots available and stuff, and they didn't shoot the ball well. Yeah. And they turned it over. Um, they're just not as explosive offensively, no. so it would make sense. Like, do you feel like it's another contrast to, in styles tonight? Do you feel like I don't know because that's not Xavier's mo. I know. And maybe a part of me thinks that that, that Xavier just did that because that's the best way to beat Butler. Sure. Um, was to not let the game space out. And I understand, like, Butler definitely wants to value its possessions, and, like, it's not going to force the issue if it doesn't have to. But mm. Butler this year has been pretty good in transition and, and been pretty good on the attack. Like, I don't think Butler minds if you if you want to bring Run. the pace up. Sure. And I, I, my assumption is that Chris Mack and the staff are like, I don't think we can play that style against Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I would imagine that it's. I, I think yeah. it's. Yeah, I don't know though. <laughs> Who the heck knows? But it's you know that. But, but we both agree that it benefits Creighton to get this thing up and down as early and as often as possible. Yeah. Considering day, Xavier's on day three. Day three. Yeah. Make these guys run. I right. think that's the idea uh, that Creighton will have, and and Creighton really has been at its best. Now, if I think the only time that I would have, if I were Coach Mack, I'd have a little bit of pause and I'd say like maybe we could slow, maybe we should slow it up a little bit. And I know they tried it early against Marquette, and it, right. it didn't work. Right. But I, I think against a team like that, that is so efficient, like when when, when Creighton plays Villanova, I don't know if you want to – well, first off, I don't think Villanova's going to let you run up and down. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know if you really want to because Villanova's like the most efficient team in transition in the country. Yeah, it's incredible and, how they just like – And they don't really get rattled either. If no. you want to, If you want to run down and take a quick shot, then they're just like, okay, go ahead. We're going to defend the heck out yeah. of it and then – yeah, we're gonna rebound it and then rebound run it. And then if we want to run at you, yeah. or we want to slow it down. All right. Yeah. So, but I, you know, I, it's it's Creighton's kind of been in this sort of like limbo state for a while. Of you know, are you are you, are you gonna be stick true to your identity and who you are and you want to be as a program? Like, what are your traits? Um, or do you kind of want to tweak things and maybe uh, mold a game plan or a strategy based on who you're playing? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I think tonight. Why not? Yeah, push I'm, it. I'm really curious to see because I feel like these 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 two games have been really strange that they've played against each other. You know, the circumstances are just weird. I mean, Xavier's win in Omaha was their first game without Sumner, uh, or second game, second, second game. game without yeah. Sumner, um, and then Creighton obviously won in Cincy without Maurice Watson for the last 35 or 30 minutes or so. Right. And 
I just don't know how to read those situations because Xavier missed a ton of free throws in Cincy that they could have wrapped that game up before it mattered. Yep. And then Creighton made a, you know, had just like they just shut off. They kind of got lazy with the lead a little bit and yep. then blew it, and uh, Makira went off for a couple possessions there. Uh, not a movie screen on Taz, regardless of that, because <laughs> uh, you couldn't get free any other way. Um, but then also Tyree Jones was dominant. Like he was eight for eight. Scored on Patton one on one like easily like t- t- yeah treated him like a kid like his that's, efficiency was like a hundred percent oh my that's goodness even how it was insane it. yeah, yeah it's ridiculous so I mean there's 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 like question marks out there because Jones is back obviously yep and you know he played some good minutes last night he wasn't like he wasn't I wouldn't say he was dominant in the post but he didn't let Butler do much either yeah. down there. I'm so just, I'm curious to see what Creighton does because like last in, in in the second meeting because Xavier is a different team obviously than mm-hmm. it was in the first the first game in the second meeting they were just like you know what we're gonna let uh, Gooden beat us we're gonna give him open shots yep. and we're gonna single up on Tyree Jones now, I don't think you can do either of those things this time no. maybe maybe you can if you want to gamble on Gooden I I would totally I th- understand I think they can it. let Gooden maybe still do that until he hits some shots maybe because his gym is a little different right. you know like in the stage and all that so. Maybe let him. But you can't go one on one against Jones no, down low, right? No, I don't think. Pat, and then as soon as you start doubling down uh, on the post, then you're going to give up an open jumper to either Makura or Gates or a driving lane. And Omera, Omera's been on the glass these two games yeah. here. That they've been here. Like he, I mean, he doesn't score very well, but he he can you know extend some possessions by getting some tip outs or grabbing some offensive rebounds. Like he's been fighting down there. I think that Creighton's depth right now, the way they're using Martine, Crample more, the way Zach Hansen, Toby Hagner. And, you know, with JP, the way that rotation seems to be like, they'll rotate all those guys in at the five there. Yeah. I mean, foul trouble obviously was the reason last night, but I think that is their key tonight because Xavier is not deep in the front line like Creighton is, at least from a body's perspective. So I think that could be a factor in how they maybe defend Jones and don't let him just, you know, kind of feast on banging down with Patton down in the paint. But Well, that's um, the other thing, too. If, if Patton can get out and run and force Jones to kind of, run the court with him. Yeah. You know, after misses or even after makes, just sprinting down as like Patton does. Right. You know? Uh, maybe you can tire him out that way. And I also think Kyrie Thomas is a little different player than he was in either of the Xavier games. Um just from an aggressiveness standpoint. So like he's gonna make things difficult for Trayvon Blewett in Xavier's half court sets. Yeah. But he's also gonna make Blewett work to stop him on the other side of it. So like I said, it feels like there's a lot of advantages for Creighton in this one. And I think they should win just because I feel like day two of a tournament like this is your best day because you kind of have, especially when you're playing a team that's on day three. That's a good point, though. You know, you the day, two of, of, day two of a tournament can often be your best day yeah. in, in a conference tournament setting. Yeah, I think that's I think you see that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially when you look across the country at just the, like, the teams that maybe were in like the 8-9, um, 5-12, uh, whatever that matchup is, like the – the matchup before the quarters, and then they come into the quarters and they play really good ball Right, um, a lot of the time. So Xavier was an example of that, uh, played uh, well enough to beat Butler. I mm-hmm. mean, a team like Michigan beat Purdue today. Right. TCU beat Kansas the other day. Um, yeah, I think there's something to that. And for Creighton especially, like, it was just weird. So before the game, 
while the Butler Xavier game's going on, Creighton's down in the bowels of Madison Square Garden, warming up on like this concrete surface mm-hmm. where they, they bring in a truck and there's like pipes all over the place. It's just <laughs> a weird, it's an awkward setting to warm up. And yeah. Providence is warming up right next to him, too. Mm-hmm. Where are you, when are you ever in that scenario? Yeah, and then right? you come on the court, and this, when Creighton ran out on the court, there was 19 seconds, or 19 seconds, 19 minutes on the clock. I mean, you're 19 minutes away from tipping, you haven't shot in the gym yet. I know. So you come in here and take as many and they shots. Hadn't- Played. Creighton was one of the few teams in this conference that did not play right, at the end of the, the season. Right. So, so there's a handful of guys that have like played Foster here. Never played there. Right. Patton, Kyrie only played two minutes, so like he doesn't know what it's like. Yeah, I mean, so there's just there's a lot of things that I think were just first time eye opening. Mm-hmm. Got to work your way through the jitters type um, moments mm-hmm. in that first half, and Creighton settled in. And you hope if you're a Jays fan that um, they can continue. To do that, you know, and, and build off it tonight against Xavier. So, do you think they are able to get it done? Then? Yeah, just put your feet to the fire there. Right. Yeah, I, I'll pick Creighton. I, I. That's not a good thing though, because I leaned Providence yesterday. Okay. And and then I mean, it made sense. Providence was one of the hottest teams in the it league was. coming in. So, I mean, that's the team you roll. The with. reason why I leaned Providence is because I thought Creighton did. Creighton played as well. I thought Creighton played as well as it could. In Omaha and didn't win. Okay. And I was like, is okay. Creighton really going to dominate the glass like it did? Is Creighton really going to hold Providence to 9 to 24 from inside the arc? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, is Creighton really going to have an 11 to nothing edge and fast break points? So I was like, I don't know if Creighton can do that, can replicate that again. So I picked Providence. Uh, it certainly goes against their style if you want to replicate something, sure. <laughs> and now, but now it, it just, every matchup seems to point in Creighton's favor. The rest of the way? I mean, no, other no, than no, in this game, yeah, yeah. And like, if you break down like uh, the way the game sits, I, I, I'm leaning. I'm definitely leaning Creighton. I'll take. Sure. I would take Creighton by like five or six in this in this game. Okay, John, thanks for sitting down. I'm glad we finally got to do this because I've yeah. been picking your brain all year. We've always had good. Time. We should just like record our, our convers- practice conversations, our practice conversations, our con- our post women's basketball games conversations. <laughs> Man, when we're just like chilling in the DJ Circle Arena, right. writing up reports on. On the women's games, we usually get into some pretty philosophical and <laughs> introspective, and, right. and also just like pointless and nonsensical. That are perfect. For, that, are, that are perfect for podcasts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this was fun, and that we could do it in Madison Square Garden. So like, we'll remember this one for the rest of our lives. We're covering this Creighton team. Yep. Right. But obviously, this it's moment, real this moment will yeah. stand out. But when did I'll you guys be... first do this? When we have our like own podcast down yeah. the line, fifty years from now, like how long have you guys been doing this? Well. It all started one day at Madison Square Garden. Listen here, Sonny. <laughs> but I uh, appreciate it, and uh, let's have some fun covering the Jason tonight. All right. See ya. That was an awesome interview, Matt. Uh, like you talked about earlier before the interview, sounds like you guys have spent a lot of time in uh, in each other's company this year watching yeah. all sorts of different sports, but really appreciate John joining us. Um, that's a... That's a big get for us, and it's just great to hear two guys who really know what they're talking about talk about it in depth. So, well, that's funny because he thought it would be one of the worst guests we've had. So, <laughs> I had to, I had to try to convince him. I was like, no, you're. Uh, if we if we as long as we can get it out to families and friends, we'll have like yeah. a pretty good listenership there. So I, I just I just love that the first name he dropped in terms of great guests that we've had on was Flan because right um, right John knows what's up. Jim Flanner yeah. is a great guest. I mean, he's a phenomenal interview. All you do is just like give him keywords and get you know yep. twenty minutes of material. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate that, and hopefully we can talk to him again in the future. That was really good. 
Um, any final thoughts before we wrap things up tonight? Uh, I know that we both have stuff to do before the games get started this evening at MSG, but um, yep. any, any other tidbits you want to leave with Jays fans before they hopefully um, hear from you after a Jays win? I mean, we kind of make predictions there, uh, John and I do, during the interview, so, I mean, it's there. But, I mean, I think Creighton, I think Creighton and Villanova are the two teams that get through to today. Uh, I think Creighton's going to have a tougher time than Villanova will, but, you know, I don't think I think Villanova, you know, had two pretty substantial blowouts of Seton Hall during the season, but I think this one will be a comfortable win without it being a total blowout. I think maybe a 15-point win, they'll control it, and I think Creighton gets the job done just because Xavier's on day three. I think they're really going to wear down, especially in the second half, and I think Creighton's really going to try to push the pace and use that depth and, you know, just kind of fire away and get into a good offensive rhythm going into championship Sunday, or championship Saturday, I should say. All the days run together here. As we established, yeah, it's all—it's it. all a blur. Just say the blur. day. Just say the, the day. day. It's fine. Championship game. Championship day, night, whatever doesn't matter. So Creighton, Creighton, Villanova title game—that's my prediction. Okay, I would love to see it. As would right. everybody listening at home. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. We're going to get over to the garden. Well, I'm going to get over to the garden. You're already there. So yep, um, I'll hold the door for you. I appreciate it. Make sure they've uh, got me taken care of over there. And if you've seen your Providence fans, just tell them to catch the bus or something. The train. <laughs> Oh, yeah, subways um, that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's where the fly is chant is coming from with tears. Okay. Well, for Matt DeMarinas, uh, Brian Todd here. want to especially thank Lawler's Custom Sportswear. Again, seen a lot of Lawler's gear walking the, uh, walking the streets in New York City this weekend. It's been really cool to see. You always kind of catch, make eye contact with folks wearing gear when you're walking around a city like this size and with so many mm-hmm. people. So. Really good to see folks rocking that stuff out here and everybody back home. I know um, wearing their Jays gear late tonight as they uh, hopefully stress out about this game like I'm going to uh, from up in the 400 level at MSG. As you do, as you do always. You know, hey, I'm unwavering yeah. in my craziness. So no, yeah, it's your game day feel. So Lawlers, I appreciate it. Um, we thank appreciate you, Lawlers. It. Thank you, Lawlers. And everybody else at home, hope you enjoyed the podcast tonight. Hopefully we can bring you a very happy podcast tomorrow. Either way, we'll be back and we'll recap everything that happens in the Big East semifinals, the first game of which is tonight Villanova, the one seed, and Seton Hall, the five seed. And then the second game of the night, the one we're all interested in, your six seed Blue Jays, who will be wearing the home uniforms because they draw the seven seeded Xavier Musketeers in the rubber match for those two teams at MSG this season. So, without blabbing on anymore, I'm Brian Tott. Matt D. Morenas, thanks for joining me. A hearty have a good night and go Jays.